Welcome to the fourth episode of Gear Up. I'm Chris Foster, Senior Editor of Triathlete Magazine, and you're listening to Triathlete's brand new monthly podcast that takes a look at the latest trends, the hot-button topics, and lifts the curtain on all of that crazy tri-related gear that you love and sometimes love to hate. This week, we'll be digging into some very cool new bikes, what looks good, what doesn't, and how they could actually signal a change in what kinds of bikes we might be seeing in the future. Today's guest is John Blyer, one of our top gear writers, an expert bike fitter and owner of Acme Bicycles. He'll be joining us from his high-end bike fitting studio slash shop in Brooklyn, New York, where he works with road and tricyclists who are constantly looking for the latest and greatest thing. We'll dig into three exciting brand new bikes from Orbea, Scott, and a new company called Koo. John's expert eye as a bike fitter will help give some perspective on why we should care about these three bikes, and we'll talk through why each is extremely different in their own way. We'll discuss why the most exciting bike in the lineup might actually change the way we buy bikes in the future, and it's completely opposite of what current trends are saying. We'll also talk through some potential rule changes from the UCI to help understand why the changes might matter for triathletes and might not. Finally, we'll talk to John about what it's been like to be a bike shop owner in New York City as the pandemic took hold this spring and summer. While it hasn't been easy, he's optimistic about the future of cycling and sports in general. We'll ride our way into some pretty glossy carbon talk right after this break. Don't miss a try thing, so subscribe to Triathlete Magazine on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast to get everything right into your feed. We've got our awesome weekly podcast, The Triathlete Hour, with Triathlete Editor-in-Chief Kelly O'Mara, where she covers everything try. We've got our bi-weekly training podcast with managing editor and former pro triathlete Emma Kate Lidbury called Fitter and Faster. Guess what that's about? And our audio archive of monthly triathlete live shows where you get to be the interviewer and you get to ask the heavy try hitters in our sport what's on your mind. And last but not least, be sure to subscribe to Gear Up so you can stay up on all the inside tech talk. Don't be that guy or gal at your next training ride, virtual or otherwise, whose only contribution to the gear conversation is, my bike has aero bars. You're better than that. Triathlete Magazine podcast feeds are available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and SoundCloud. Hi, this is Chris Foster, Senior Editor of Triathlete Magazine. Uh, welcome to yet another episode of Gear Up Podcast. Uh, we're joined today um, by John Blyer out of Brooklyn, New York. He's the co-owner of Acme Bicycle Company since 2011. Uh, he has a degree in mechanical engineering. Uh, currently, he, uh, he specializes in bike fit. He's got tons of bike fit certifications, um, and he's no slouch as a triathlete. Though he's since retired, he uh, earned a Kona slot back in 2006. So he knows a little bit about the sport. He knows a little bit about bikes, and he knows a little bit about mechanical engineering because he has a degree in it. Um, so welcome, John. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So... Um, we're going to jump right in. Um, kind of one of the big topics in October that's been coming through uh, the bike rumor mill um, is some changes to the UCI rules. Um, now, mm -hmm. they're not all confirmed. Some of them have been confirmed by the UCI. Um, but we're just going to kind of touch on what that means for triathletes. And then we're going to talk about some some kind of crazy new bikes that have come out in the last month. Um, kind of in that same UCI legal, not legal, never, ever going to happen realm. Um, cool. So yeah, just to just to catch up our listeners a little bit on um, what's been going on with the UCI, uh, John, tell us a little bit about what yeah, you sure. got. Um, yeah, so I think it was maybe two or three weeks ago, um, the, the UCI 
I guess they had decided on some changes and there was a leak of some sort. Right. Um, I'm not sure when they actually become official, if ever. <laughs> um, but they made some uh, some changes um, to to their rules. Um, you know, we should start off by saying these may not really affect triathletes all that much, right, um, right. but triathletes do like to kind of drool over fancy road bikes and you know pro tour bikes. Um, we love so, rules you know, too. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do love rules. Um, so uh, you know, so it, it may not really affect your average triathlete all that much. Right. Um, but you know, triathletes also ride road bikes. They also ride mountain bikes and gravel bikes and that kind of stuff. And so it, it definitely will you know trickle into their lives in, in some way or another. Um, so you know, if you want to just step back a little bit, the UCI has created these rules so that we don't have insane bikes that, you know, people are, are racing on that, um, you know, could a create an unfair advantage or b you know, there, there's some standardization regarding kind of the, the geometry of the tubing on the bikes to maintain some safety standards, um, as well. So that's kind of where they're coming from. Um, you know, but really the emphasis has been on keeping the playing field kind of level across manufacturers over the years. Um, so they didn't want to do too much, um, or just allow too much, uh, creativity. Um, uh, but you know, over the last 20 years or so, they've relaxed some of the rules and, uh, this is really just a continuation of, of that. Um, you know, the, the main one that a lot of people have been focusing on is this change in, um, in kind of depth or thickness uh, of any one tube. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were kind of exceptions to the rule, but the, the rule as it stood previously, was there, there was a minimum thickness to a tube of two and a half centimeters. And there were some exceptions for, I think the, uh, like the, the fork blades and maybe the, the seat stays. Um, right. so the fork blade is pretty obvious. The seat stay is the tube, um, that extends from the rear wheel kind of up to like the seat junction kind of like diagonal tube. Right. Um, so there, there were some exceptions for that. Um, but now they're, I think letting people go kind of as narrow as they want, if I remember yeah. correctly from, from what I read. Yeah. Um, so I think they're, they're saying it used to be two and a half centimeters. Now they're going to one and then where it was one, now they're going to like free for all. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so that'll be interesting, um, for sure. You know, and, and that's one, I think across the board, right? Like, so people can yeah. do, you know, like a top tube that's yeah. one centimeter thick, which yeah. seems kind of strange. <laughs> <A little risky. laughs> so, um, but, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that, that's kind of the big one that I think yeah. is going to aesthetically change these bikes, um, quite a bit. Um, and from a, a functional standpoint as well too, you know, the bikes can now be kind of tailored a little bit more to, to like a use case, um, yeah. you know, like a, a flat, tube you know something that almost looks like a thin board of wood you know is a lot like a leaf spring um, right so you know that could um really uh you know provide some benefits in terms of like vibration damping yeah um it's also really aerodynamic when uh approached uh, when it approaches the wind at like the right angle so you know there right. could be some some gains there right. um, yeah but you know bikes bikes are already pretty aero so i don't know that we'll really see um any huge gains with uh with aerodynamics from that rule yeah well, that, that's a good thing to know. I mean, it sounds like they're kind of going to be more like, oh, this this bike is now allowed to be more comfortably, like comfortable structurally speaking. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that For was sure. the big thing. They're like, oh, wow, like we can tune it better. Um Yeah, I think that's really cool. But yeah, again, you know, for triathletes, that's only going to apply to like their, you know, their long ride bike or their road bike. It's right. not going to have much of an effect on their race day stuff. No, no, probably not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, it's also, you know, one, one of some of the other rules um, that were, were out there um, related to the, like, the head tube area. You know, that was one that 
um, you know, from what I read about it, you know, the, the information was vague at best, um, <laughs> but they did say they were going to allow for more, um, more material or more, more something, more stuff at the, the head tube. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure what the, the purpose of that was. And you know, I imagine some bike companies kind of petitioned for something to happen there. Um, yeah. I can only imagine you know, that's going to relate to, you know, if you look at like a tri bike, um, like a hydration system right up there. Right. Um, but you know, one of the big problems that I've seen with, with bikes as they've gotten kind of, um, more advanced is that they've also gotten way more difficult to adjust and to, to deal with. Oh yeah. So if you look at like the market of like the super road bike, you know, like five years ago or so we invented right. super tri bikes and now we have super road bikes with these really, um, integrated front ends where the, the handlebar and the stem, kind of flow together into one piece and right. all the cabling is internal. And, you know, from a aesthetic standpoint, from a aerodynamic standpoint, you know, it's great. Right. But, you know, my day to day basis, <laughs> that creates a lot of headaches, um, yeah. you know, so yeah, I mean, on the one hand, it, on the one hand, it simplifies bike fits because it's, you know, we kind of talk with our customers when they come in with that kind of a bike and we say, are we going to touch this? You know, can I spend you know, 500 <laughs> to a thousand of your dollars to adjust the front end of your bike? Right. Um, and some, some say yes and some say no. Um, right. Oh, that's funny. So I never maybe, thought of that. Yeah. I mean, it's like, uh, it, it fixes it in place, you know, right. so the bike fit becomes a lot simpler when you're not allowed right. to touch the handlebars. Uh, right. So we're just basically trying to like make the saddle position sort of work with that, but right. it's, it's limiting. Um, but maybe that new regulation will allow a little freedom, uh, right. maybe more space for some, stuff. Yeah. yeah. More, you know, more creative ways to run, um, run cables you know the, the real problem with all that stuff by the way is that the cables or the the hydraulic brake hoses will wind up running through the the steering tube of the bike or through right. the spacers so if you um if you want to make a change there you have to redo the hydraulics which uh, you know is, it's no small task right it's, uh, it's, mess, it's messy it's messy it takes yeah. a while <laughs> yeah i mean i i used to work on all the bikes um that we'd fit and i don't do that anymore you yeah. know like hydraulics is just like over my head. I'm not, uh, I don't want to mess with it. Um, I don't want to get covered in hydraulic oil. Um, no, and you know, well, yeah, most importantly, I don't want to screw someone's bike up. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> so. right. Well, and, and the brake is such an important thing. Like I, you know, I did a big bike roundup a couple months ago and everyone always talks to me. They say, well, it must be so fun. You get to ride all these bikes and it's just like, you know, your day must just look like, you know, a fun ride down the coast. I'm like, no, man, my day is spent like bleeding hydraulic disc brakes and like rerunning cables and like building and maintaining these things is such a headache. And it's just, right. and like you're saying that everything has to go in this tiny little hole, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so yeah, hopefully the UCI, that whole rule change, you know, makes space for like, you know, maybe some couplers, hydraulic couplers. Yeah. Some bikes yeah, that have that. And, um, God, I would love yeah. that. That would be a dream. Yeah. I, I think I saw someone, um, someone had those, recently i forget which which manufacturer but it was made for um for like a bike that was meant to be taken apart for travel yeah um so it's like a hydraulic you know coupler you know yeah. as you put it but if there's room to put that in the handlebar that makes or in the like the cockpit area right that would be tremendous that would make my life so much easier <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, your mechanics in the background looking like what is that is that yeah, coming like, i'm so happy <laughs> <laughs> well yeah, that would be nice yeah um, so yeah so that would be, that would be nice to see. Yeah. That, that um, would be a change to there. Yeah. Cool. So, so um, yeah, I mean, the, the UCI rules are interesting. I mean, there were some other ones just real quick, uh, just so our listeners have them, um, compensation angle. Okay. So that, that is a really weird term, but basically it's like, if you see some of these, um, 
you know, like the P5 is a good example. They've got these like this extra material on the bottom bracket and the head tube and I think a little bit around the seat junction. Um, yep. That's this compensation angle that they allow uh, time trial TT bikes to still, you know, kind of break the rules a little bit there. And it sounds like the UCI is, UCI is looking at um, extending those compensation angles to road bikes too. So we might mm-hmm. see road bikes with these kind of longer blocks of arrow, which will be kind of interesting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, uh, I think they certainly make the bikes, um, look cooler and they yeah. have a little bit of a, um, an arrow advantage to them. And, you know, some companies have even started, um, like sneaking hardware into those, right. um, like in terms of like seat wedges, right, right, the, right. The, the, the mechanism that locks the seat in place. Right. Um, so yeah, extending that into to road bikes makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so I don't really see the, that one being super controversial no, in any way no, or another. Probably not. No. <laughs> so one of, one of the other ones that was interesting, um, it kind of thinking it got me thinking retro a little bit, um, is the, uh, this rule that says that the, the seat tube, um, of the bike doesn't have to be kind of continuous with the seat post. Yeah. Um, so like the BMC did it, um, you know, recently on their, their non UCI legal bike. Um, uh, but it really got me thinking of like the older Kestrel 4000. Yep bike where the um you know had like this really minimal kind of almost a fairing for the rear wheel yeah and like the the seat post where the actual saddle attached to was like nowhere near it right um you know back in the day that was a real cool bike um yeah. so I, I think we might see you know more designs kind of of that nature yeah i mean hopefully the funny thing about these uci rules is that you know i mean triathletes just don't need to worry about them like like the amount of triathletes who do a race or an event where these would even apply, it's like 0.01%. Yeah, for sure. For but, sure. I mean, I deal with, I deal with a lot of bike racers here and even right. for them, you know, very few have to really worry about the UCI rules. Right. Which is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. but, but at the same time, I mean, the UCI rules do have an impact on the manufacturers, right? You know, like yep. they're not, you know, cause a lot of the bike brands don't want to make a tri bike that their pro tour team can't ride. They're like, oh, right. so now we have to make two bikes or we have to, you know, tell our pro tour team to get something else that gets terrible. I mean, you know, UCI rules effectively buried brands like Soft Ride back in the day. Right. I mean, right, that, right. that was the end of the non-diamond, double diamond era, you know, for right. a while. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, Soft Ride and, uh, and Zip had that old 2001, yeah. 3001. I mean, that was literally why they discontinued it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, so. I know. So, so it's one of those things where, you know, you say, oh, it doesn't matter, but you know, it matters to the people who make the bikes, I guess. And, and sure. so it, it does need to matter in some so way. So it does matter. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, kind of moving from that, um, we've got three exciting bikes, uh, to talk about, you know, we haven't had a lot of new tri specific stuff this year. And I mean, it kind of goes without saying that, you know, with, with try on the back burner, um, try races on the back burner. I mean, people are still swimming, biking and running. Um, but the races haven't been happening. So a lot right. of the brands have been, you know, I've talked to off the top of my head. I can think of two or three brands who have just flat out said, look, we had something planned for this year. We're putting it off till 2021. Right. Um, but then there've been a couple brands in the last month, uh, you know, for whatever reason, who have just said, look, you know, probably their, their schedule, their production schedule was set years ago. Um, and they want to launch these things now. Um, so the first one we'll kind of talk about a little bit is, uh, the Orbea Ordu and it's, Mm -hmm. it's the Ordu, but it's the new version of the Ordu. Um, it's about a four year old, um, long, long needed update 
Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> their previous or two was pretty, pretty long in the tooth. Sure. Um, but yeah, so I'll just, just give our listeners a little bit kind of like, if you haven't read about it, we did do an unboxing of this, um, about a week ago. Um, the big highlights on that are we added, added disc, um, a long needed integrated, integrated front end that looks so much better, um, yep. than what they had going before. Um, They've got four sizes, and I have a feeling John is probably going to talk about that a little bit. But um, and uh, it's starting at five thousand for the complete bike, which sounds like a lot, but for super bikes, eh, you know, it's not it's not the worst. It is it is no, too bad that they don't have a you know a three thousand dollar version, but but five is not insane. So no. So yeah, after going through the highlights, John, what do you think about this bike? Any 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 thoughts? Any opinions? Yeah, I mean, at at first glance, I was um, I was really excited about this bike. Um, you know, Orbea hasn't had a like a real flagship bike, kind of as you mentioned for a while. Yeah. You know, I think it was like back when Craig Alexander won Kona. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know how many years ago. Um, you know, that I, mean, I guess it was his first time uh, on our, or do that was the last time we really like took Orbea seriously yeah. um, for, <laughs> well, for tri bikes. To, don't to forget about honest. Starkey though. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he he, but, he definitely knows how to motor. <laughs> yeah, but you, you gotta you gotta figure a guy like that. You, you could probably put him on a BMX bike. <laughs> probably, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, I mean, when you when I first looked at this bike, I was like, oh my god, I love this thing. Um, you know, it looks great. You know, because yeah. aesthetics do matter when you're spending a lot of money on something. You don't want to sure. um, you don't want to hate the way it looks. Um, and it's got like at first glance some really nice features, and you know by you know, every stretch of the imagination, it is a very nice bike. Um, I looked at it a little deeper, um, the other day and I was a little disappointed with a few kind of nitpicky things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, but I do like it in general and, you know, the, the, the main feature on this bike, um, you know, kind of pays homage to what Cervelo did on the, um, the P5X and the P3X is this like mono riser, like seat post style adjustment of the, um, the height of the aero bars. Um, and you know, when we, when we think about like how a bike is going to fit somebody, you know, 99% of our focus is on, you know, what can you do with the aero bars? You know, do they go up? Do they go down? Well, of course, if they go up, they go down, but you know, how easily, um, (laughs) it's a one way street. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I guess as you get older, right. They only go higher. They usually do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so we, we consider, you know, how easy is it to adjust the front end of this bike and, you know, what's the total range and, you know, how does the range of this bike compare to the range of other bikes that we know work well? So that's kind of how, you know, we kind of, um, round up a bike and, you know, our, our basis for comparison, like just generally speaking is, uh, the Cervelo geometry, um, you know, like Cervelo, what they've done with, um, with the P series, um, and you know, with, um, you know, like the P three X, um, you know, both of those bikes, you know, are kind of the standard when it comes to like fitting in yeah. my opinion. Um, yeah. just like, you know, if you compare it to Cervelo, every bike fitter is going to know what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so, um, so anyway, like with that being said, there, there's a lot of range here um, yeah. that this bike um, can do. Yeah. Um, I think it can go up and down about 90 millimeters, the, yeah. um, the arm pad and they could go, uh, four aft about 120 millimeters, um, which is a lot. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a ton. That's a lot of, of change, um, of, of position. So, you know, that means the bike's going to fit a wide range of people, you right. know? Um, and when you kind of 
look at the geometry of this bike compared to others, you know, there's a lot of overlap, you know, so it's right. not really extreme in one way or the other. Right. Um, the, there's two things about the way this bike fits, um, at least from what I've seen on paper. I haven't, I haven't seen one in person yet. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like the arm pads are particularly narrow. Yeah. Um, and like for me, like that's a, that's a problem that a lot of bikes have. Yeah. Um, you know, like a lot of, you know, Americans or people in general, like they, they have broad shoulders and they're not generally the most flexible through their shoulders, especially if you're like a a mid-age guy who, you know, you know, for just a mid-age person, you know, your people don't have the flexibility, um, there. Um, so the, the arm pads don't get super wide. Mm -hmm. Um, and a lot of bikes have that problem and I don't understand why bike manufacturers are still like limiting us in that regard. It seems so obvious just to like give people more adjustability there yeah um, and but, i mean that but, bracket is not a i mean that's not a big lift you know you'd think that would be a i don't know fairly simple solution yeah it, it should be it should be done you know yeah and, and uh yeah that's i don't know it's kind of sad that it's not um mm. so um so that's one thing um and then the the other uh issue i have with it which i'm not really sure how much of an issue this is going to be in practice or not um but the way they've kind of done their size run um as you mentioned they have four sizes yep um the middle sizes seem to like share the same top tube or the same frame reach. Oh, weird. Um, so it's, um, you know, BMC sort of did that on uh, their previous or maybe on their current, um, time machine where like the middle sizes had the same like head tube basically. Mm. Um, something similar is going on here with Orbea. So when you look at their chart for reach, um, when you look at the two middle sizes, um, it's the same, um, you mm. know, the, the stack, the stack heights are different. Right. Um, but the reach is the same. So you don't get a linear size run, doesn't? Right. So like it's like not everything is going to scale. If you wanted to put this all on a graph, it's not just going to be right. you know, a diagonal line, which you know in theory it should be. Right. Um, so you know they do that for some production reason. You know Probably. they don't want to make too many mold, too many right. different things. Right. Those are really expensive. So it's almost um, more like instead of four sizes, it's almost like three and a half. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So you know the the large amount of range um, that the cockpit gives you in terms of you know up down in out. Mm-hmm might make up for that you right. know, it might not really be an issue but right. you know it's uh it seems silly um yeah. <laughs> kind of again you know you know compared to the other bikes which all kind of you know right. line up linearly so yeah. super um, interesting but all in all you know it's a nice bike um it lacks kind of the integrated uh hydration um yeah that the scott has which we'll talk about in a minute yeah um so you know for such a cool bike you know that's you know, it's kind of a downer. Um, yeah. and, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no like top tube storage or anything like that, which, you know, for triathletes, um, you know, pretty much every triathlete's going to put a, want to put some gels or yeah. snacks up there. I noticed so. that too. I mean, that's like, that's one of Cervelo's. I mean, we keep bringing up the C word, but you know, one of Cervelo's big things <laughs> is like every, every triathlete's going to need to take stuff. And honestly, right. now more than ever, I mean, we right. had Ironman Arizona, uh, 70.3 last weekend and we had a reporter there and she said, you know, people are riding with hydration backpacks. You know, that right. used to be like a big no-no. And that's a 70.3. Mm-hmm. That's not even an Ironman. Like, right. Right. like right. you will be carrying stuff and probably now more than ever because you don't want to be touching stuff. And a hundred percent. I mean, yeah, I've, I've always been a fan of the hydration backpack, but people have always laughed at me for that. So, um, whatever. Welcome to my world, y'all. Yeah. Um, um I used to do that too. A long yeah. Time ago, before yeah. I knew better. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, so, um but, but yeah, yeah, I, I mean, think... one thing, uh, sorry to cut you off. Um, you know, one thing about these bikes that I think it's important, you know, for people to realize, um, it's like, you don't just race on these bikes, you right. train on them every day. So like, to your point, you know, if you are trying to be like really careful and safe in the era of COVID and, 
you know, you don't want to stop at every little deli or supermarket on the way to pick up something like right. that's right. Have somewhere to put it. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good point. I mean, we do think about it as a race bike, but if you're doing it right, you're, you're training on this, you yeah, know, for three, sure. four days a week. Yeah. Um, very good point. Yeah. So, I mean, um, maybe it's just, you know, Orbea is thinking a little more roadie, but here's a tri bike yeah. kind of thing. Um, sure. but here's a brand who has done kind of moved away from that. Um, Scott has introduced the new Plasma 6 um, just recently, and they've said, all right, forget the UCI. Like Plasma mm -hmm. 5 was UCI legal, ticked all the boxes. Um, and with this one, they're saying, you know, all bets are off. This is our triathlon bike. Um, right. It's just some of the highlights on that one. Uh, I've got a lot of modular storage. I'm sorry, not modular storage. Integrated storage. The 5 mm -hmm. had modular storage. The 6 has integrated storage hydration super deep head tube um this weird front wheel setback thing with the down tube that's interesting to me um lots of adjustment in the front end which is obviously a theme um mm -hmm. five sizes which is very good for a tri bike yep. um and then but of course like everything nothing's perfect this bad boy starts at nine thousand dollars for a complete Oof. bike and yeah. 7k just for the frame set so okay. whereas we were like well 5k is a pill you can swallow but it's going to take a little time to go down this is going to be a big fat pill so um yep. unfortunately this bike is limited to probably just you know smaller amount of triathletes but but tell for us sure. a little bit what, what you think about this bike um i love it i love everything <laughs> about it <laughs> uh it's really cool uh i just you know i i I've been uh, kind of preoccupied with life here um, as of late, so I missed the release of this. Sure. Uh, but a week or so ago, you know, one of my customers was like, hey, have you seen that new Scott? And I said, no, no, I haven't. And well, it's I been was kind like, of a soft launch, to be honest, because yeah. we, didn't, we didn't get a big big heads up on it either. So I don't know what that's right. about. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it looks killer um, in a good way. Um, you know, <laughs> the storage is there. The hydration is there. The fit adjustability is there. Um, uh, you know, it's even got this, like, um, you know, it, it has through axles, you know, as, right. as all these disc brake bikes do, um, and it has a way to adjust the, the rear center, um, you know, so that you can kind of adjust the, I guess the gap between the yeah. tire and the frame, um, which that's something used to like bikes used to all have, you know, that yeah, was a they big all thing. Used to, yeah. Right. Yeah. They used to have horizontal dropouts for better or worse. Um, right. and, uh, you know, this seems challenging with disc brakes you know i'm not sure how that's gonna work um <laughs> yeah. because like as you move the wheel like now you have to move the brake caliper but yeah I i'm gonna assume that that's i'm gonna assume scott thought about that um you know so maybe there's a good solution there yeah. uh, but yeah i mean I, I really love the way this um this bike um kind of stacks up you know it's kind of ticks all the boxes um you know the kind of the i guess the most noteworthy thing looking at it is they've sort of abandoned trying to um put the down tube right behind the front wheel yeah um which uh you know seems to be the growing theme is like to open up a little bit of of space um in between the wheel and the frame right um and the logic seems you know seems sound you know if if the bike is um you know not exactly perfectly straight you know you kind of lose <laughs> the aerodynamic benefit of right. having the um the wheel so close to the down tube and you know the that wheel is never perfectly straight. It's right. always oscillating back right. and forth a little bit. It, right. You know, always in a, you know, in a wind tunnel or maybe on a trainer, that's the only time it's ever straight. If you're right. riding a bike, that, that thing's wiggling back and forth, whether you know it or not. Yeah. Um, Isn't that a funny so, assumption uh, they made for so long? They're just like, yeah, of course it's going to be straight. And you're like, but right. it never Actually, is. Actually, it's not going to be straight. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. the opposite. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, um, uh, I'm not sure, you know, why all of a sudden people are getting savvy to that. You know, it seems like they should have been savvy to that a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but it makes a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, yeah, this bike, uh, it looks great. Um, you yeah. know, the price is steep. Maybe yeah. that comes down um, in time. But, you know, you get a lot of, at least you get a lot of features for your money. Yeah. You know, you're not, you know, you're not getting something um real simple you know so there's there's something there yeah um and you know high-end tri bikes have been very expensive and right. very unattainable for a lot of people for a long time long. yeah you know? this is so, nothing new. you know so yeah. <laughs> this is not the first you know twelve fifteen thousand dollar bike to to be invented you know right, this right. is this is up there with them so yeah, yeah. and i guess um, the good thing is you know there's the trickle down effect pretty often. I mean, Cervelo showed that with the uh, the P series. Um, you know, a lot of great features into something that costs you know three four thousand. Right. Um, so maybe that's maybe that's down the line. Hopefully, Scott. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, and like Scott has always had a lot of models. Yeah. Um, so you know they've had some pretty affordable, very affordable bikes in the past. Yeah. So you know this was just released, and right. You know maybe uh, maybe their surprise is for 2021. You know. Uh, seven thousand dollar complete yeah. bike or, yeah. or something like that yeah. you know something that, that's a little bit more you know of an easy pill to swallow as <laughs> right. um, so uh but yeah it's got a lot of sizes it's got a lot of adjustability you know it also has that mono riser front end um i couldn't find data on arm pad width um mm. but it looks you know from the the photos i've seen it looks like a profile design or similar yeah. kind of bracket system, and those generally go plenty wide. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I don't think we're going to see that that same problem um, that we saw in the Orbea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, tons of adjustability. The hydration, storage, real world usage that we were griping about with the Orbea. I think that's yeah. that's definitely pleasant. So, very For sure. cool. And it, it, it also has a lot of range. Um, yeah. You know, the it goes four aft on the the arm pads by 130 millimeters. Yeah. Um, and goes up and down by 120, so that should give it you know about as much range as anything. Yeah, so. especially with five sizes. I mean, you're if you can't fit one of those setups, you're you probably need probably need a custom bike. Yes. Which leads probably. me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which leads me right into our last bike. This wild coup. I'm not even sure I'm saying it right. Coup bike i don't i don't know either um, <laughs> there's <laughs> so. not a lot of info on this um we'll be we'll be uh featuring this in the next week or two on our site um but it's a brand out of the netherlands um it is a fully custom tip to tail bike um it has this bizarre like i don't even know what what do they call the fork some i don't know uh <laughs> let's see um I don't know what the, it's. I mean, it's a fork, but it's. Right. Uh, but it's like one of these unconventional. Yeah. It's not just two blades. Very it's much like so. Four blades, and it's it's wild. Um, yeah. And and the the craziest thing about this, you know, we're talking about unattainable in terms of price. Doesn't I didn't see a price anywhere yet. Yeah, so I don't know how much it costs. I, I can't no fathom idea. it's going to be under eight thousand, ten thousand dollars for a frame. Um, no idea. But yeah, that seems. <laughs> reasonable <laughs> reasonable and unreasonable. unreasonably reasonable um <laughs> yes. but but the, the fascinating thing about this is you can only buy it through an approved bike fitter um love it yeah which i'm sure john is stoked about yep um so you know you know you're not going to end up with something like man this isn't right you know take it back um but uh but yeah i mean it had, it had a wild amount of customization um not just in the size but in in the handling like you can change the the um, wheelbase, your, mm -hmm. your, your mass over center, um, which like 
not a lot of people talk about, you know, I mean, you right. need to handle these bikes well, um, because you mm -hmm. can have something that's aerodynamically beautiful, um, and fits you well, you know, in terms of like, you know, on the stand, but you get it out in the corners and you're just, it's just plowing outside of every corner or it's right. diving in too fast or, mm -hmm. um, so I think that's fascinating. The fact that they put kind of an emphasis on handling, um, yeah, and allowing it's that important. To um, it's important, you know, the kind of the, the problem with having so much range on fit, like, you know, where the arm pads are going to go, um, and like fit geometry is that it's wildly unpredictable right. how your weight is going to be distributed over the bike. You know, like the, we were just talking about the Orbe and the plasma, which have 120 and 130 millimeters respectively of reach adjustment, you know, right that's 10% of the wheelbase plus, right. you know, when you start looking at it. So, you know, if you start putting your weight down, you know, in a spot that's 10% different compared to the wheelbase of the bike, you know, the bike's going to handle a lot different right. with the arm pads all the way forward or the arm pads all the way back. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I'm still trying to understand everything related to the coup, you know, just kind of, <laughs> kind of, I just, I know all of a sudden two days ago, I'm like hearing coup, coup, coup. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know anything about it really, but if there's a way to, kind of adjust the handling characteristics that's uh that could be wild um, yeah that could be really really good yeah. uh, for for a lot of athletes yeah i mean that's the thing you know we're like we're talking about lots of sizes and lots of four aft, adju four aft adjustability um if you don't know what you're doing though you could say hey look this fit is perfect but it's got your whole body rotated forward you know and and like up and forward up on the front mm -hmm. of the bike and you've got like a death machine, but you're like, no, the fit's Absolutely. perfect right. when you should really be in a larger size or a smaller, 100%. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah for so sure. You for can, sure. you can force these things. Um, but you're going to end up with something just super weird if you're not in the hands of a, a professional like John. For sure. For sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, this bike looks interesting. It's definitely, you know, the, the appearance of it's going to take a little getting used to. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the benefits of kind of what they're putting into it might all be there. Right. Um, it seems like there's some really um, kind of smart people designing this thing. And they've put a lot of thought into, you know, every detail of the bike that you're looking at. And, um, you know, they kind of talk about here like a disruptive sales model um which relates to like the having to buy it through a fitter which is great right uh, but it seems like they've really disrupted a lot you know they're yeah. they're, re, they're rethinking uh pretty much everything on the bike um yeah. so um yeah it seems interesting yeah yeah i mean this is one of those bikes kind of like the um the cheapo 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 i don't know i think it is cheapo but that sounds bad, right? I don't know. Yeah, I, I always say SIPO out <laughs> yeah. of respect. <laughs> yeah, right, I know. Well, let's say SIPO. Um, okay, the Shadow R had that that really insane – it's not exact, It's not the same kind of fork, mm -hmm. but it's just this bizarre, um, you know, unconventional fork that kind of wrapped around almost like a, kind of like a bumper kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you just don't see a lot of those. Like I'm not even sure – I don't know if I've ever seen more than one or two in the wild. Yeah, um, yeah, I've saw them in Kona, um, yeah. in the booth, right. um, but I haven't seen them anywhere else. I mean, it's uh, I always um, I always applaud people who are willing to innovate and you know think about things like that. You know, even if it doesn't catch on, right? Um, you know, the it's you know it's it's very hard to design a bike. It's very hard to yeah. put anything into the market. So I always applaud people who are willing to take risks and come up with these innovative designs. And you know, this is. This is no different. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if nothing no. else, it gets people thinking about things like, oh, my bike needs to handle better. You know, like, right. wh why is my bike fit, you know, perfect, but I, I'm terrified on downhills or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had a customer kind of reach out to me the other day um, who, you know, was 
uh, interested in picking one of these up. So, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, so wow. It happened, it happened quickly. So, <laughs> so we'll see. I just filled out my, my fitter application on their website uh, nice. <laughs> earlier this morning. Um, so hear that, Coop? Um, yeah, <laughs> pay yeah, attention. Please. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that's a great model to be totally honest. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they, have they you talk- have you ever heard of having to buy a bike through a bike fitter? I mean, I could be ignorant, but that's new to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, aside no, from like, uh, a, you know, a seven or a, yeah, you know, sure. you're not going to yeah, just go out those and buy a seven. Bespoke brands. Right. Um, you know, we, we work pretty closely, um, you know, with Diamond, uh, run by TJ oh, Tollickson. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's always, you know, he's, you know, he's been here for fits and, you know, I'm pretty friendly with him. And he's always like asking me like, hey, where's a fitter or who's a fitter in this area? I've got someone right. interested in buying a bike. So, um, so the people who get it. And who want their customers to really have a great experience on their bikes? Yeah, they recognize the importance of fit. So right. before, like someone buys something, they want them to go get fit. You know, because <laughs> right. could have the coolest bike in the world, but if it fits you like garbage, you're gonna have a terrible experience on right. it. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, so my hats off to them for really prioritizing that. You know, yeah. it's gonna really limit the amount of um, issues that their their riders have. So right. that's that's great. You know. Yeah. Um, so I, I used to work in a bike shop back in the day and. I always remember some of the sales guys would be like, ah, just blast out the fit. Don't worry about it too much. I'm like, guys, they're going to come back. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to be upset and they're going to say that you sold them the wrong bike. It's going to escalate. You know, I'm like, guys, take the 10. I mean, you know, we did quick fits, but. Um, it's better than nothing. Exactly. Exactly. And then sometimes while, while you put them up on the, on the stand, you're like, oh, this is the wrong size. Like, my bad. You know, mm-hmm. like I. I thought it, it looked right. It looks, you know, you wrote it looked right. But now I'm realizing that because you're, you know, because your shoulders are a certain way or because you have a neck issue that's preventing you from, you know, like, nah, we're on the wrong size. And right, right. you've prevented yeah, a return. I mean, that, mm-hmm. which is, of course, the worst thing you want. Um, For sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you hit on some really important, you know, things there. Um, you know, like there's, there's no way to judge someone based on height or proportions and no. say what size they are. Yeah. Um, and um, there's no formula for that. Right. And if there was a formula, somebody would have figured it out by now. Right. <laughs> and, um, and uh, you know, a, a lot of manufacturers have been like trying to figure out a way to get people to buy their bikes with confidence and right. to know what size they need. Especially no with direct to con- Right. Especially with yes. so much direct consumer. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, you know, the, the whole idea to do that is sort of fundamentally flawed, in yeah. my opinion. Um, you know, Canyon's never going to tell you that a Speedmax SLX doesn't fit you. Right. You know, even <laughs> if they have, you know, they have no idea how tall you are. Right, well, right, they do because right. you plug it in. But, right. you know, th- there's just not enough data. Um, right. You can't quantify someone's neck injury. You can't right. quantify someone's flexibility in a right. real way. Right. Or um, a hip so issue or a... 100%. Yeah. Hamstring yeah. tightness. I mean, all, it's... It's fascinating. Once you get into it, of course, once you start saying it out loud, you're like, oh, yeah, like these are all problems that plague 80% mm-hmm. of triathletes. Like we have issues. Right. Like we beat ourselves up super bad. Like nobody's nobody's arriving to this sport fresh as a daisy. Like 100%. You know, yeah. we, we yeah. walk into the door with, you know, with baggage. And, um, right. Right. And that yeah. doesn't go away. You know, right. as training increases, those, exactly. those problems generally become worse. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I like to see people fatigued, you know, when they right. come in for fits, you know, right after a big training week, because that's, that's reality. That's who they yeah. are. You know, if they come in, you know, after a rest week and, uh, you know, a week at a yoga retreat or something like that, you know, <laughs> that's not, that's not who they are on a daily right. basis. It's a bad so representation. It's like a, diff- it's like a different person. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, as, as wild as this coup thing sounds, I mean, um, 
yeah, if it gets people thinking about their fit or, you know, why are they requiring I buy it from Bike Fitter when other brands are saying, ah, it's okay. Just uh, mm-hmm. buy it from the website. You're good. Like, you know, right. uh, if, if nothing else, I mean, you know, I see bikes like this and as, as a gear editor, you see sometimes bikes like this and you're just like, oh man, I really hope that thing comes to market, but mm-hmm. God, it looks so wild, you know, like, right. um, but whether it does or it doesn't, I mean, I hope it does. And it sounds like you hope it does. I hope it does too. Um, yeah. I think it, it, it brings up a lot of stuff that triathletes should be thinking about. And now's, for sure. And now's a great time to the, for them to be thinking about it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's not many races happening. So uh, yeah. lots of times to think and tinker. Right. Right. <laughs> Dial in that. Figure out. That fit. Um, so, yeah, before we wrap up, um, you know, like I said before, John, you own uh, Acme Bicycle Company in Brooklyn, New York. Um, obviously a bike fitter, but, uh, you know, you do more than that. So, tell us a little bit about what it's been like, you know, operating as a, a bike shop owner during the pandemic. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been tricky. Um, you know, uh, we were in New York, as we've said a few times. So, we got hit really hard yeah. early on in this pandemic. Um, we were... We were pretty frightened when it all um, kind of went down here. Um, you know, I've had plenty of clients who've come in, you know, who've had c- coronavirus. Wow. Um, you know, I had a guy in here yesterday who lost his father from oh my coronavirus. Um, my best friend works at a hospital that was turned into a coronavirus hospital. Oh. Um, so, um, so, yeah, we got hit pretty hard here. It was, uh, it was a really traumatic um, spring in a lot of ways. Um, so whereas the other country, the rest of the country was saying, Hey, what's going on? And I don't see anything, you know, we felt it right away. So we, we kind of knew the reality of it real early, unfortunately. Um, so we were shut down entirely, um, or like 95% from March, uh, half of March, April, May, like towards the end of June, things had, um, calmed down here where we, uh, we started a little bit, um, in operation, um, were you doing just fits sort of, or sales? I was or? doing, yeah, we were do, we had like, we had some customers who were interested in buying bikes um, right. throughout, throughout, like even when we were shut down entirely, like we had customers who, um, we had fit data on file for and like recent fit data, you know, from the last six months or so. And so we, we did sell a few bikes through that, um, oh, that time period, um, which was, you know, good cause we were shut down. So any, any money in was a good thing. Right. Um, and we've, um, you know, we've been kind of gradually reopening, um, since, uh, mid June. Um, you know, I started seeing like one fit client a week cause I was just sort of assessing my own comfort level, right? Of course. kind of their comfort level. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're operating pretty steadily now. Um, although, you know, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to do this interview uh, today <laughs> or that, uh, because, you know, things are changing constantly. You know, my right. son's school was, uh, was shut down again. So we oh, had to man. like transition to full remote schooling. Right. Um, so, you know, it's been, it's been up and down, um, yeah. you know, but by and large, you know, I've been really inspired by, yeah. uh, our, our athletes, uh, our customers coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, so many new, um, new cyclists coming oh, cool. in and people really, getting into it um so you mean our, our triathlon fits are definitely down we've yeah. probably done a dozen triathlon fits uh right. this whole year where oh, wow. normally normally we do maybe four or five a week oh <laughs> so, wow really um yeah yeah triathlon fits have been way down um, interesting you know just because you know triathlon is very much a a market that's based on events right. and races right. um so 
without the races happening, people, you know, aren't really jumping on their tri bikes right. um, all that often. Right. Uh, but, you know, we've been doing a ton of road bike fits and a ton of gravel bike fits, cool. um, you know, this whole time. And, uh, you know, the, the market is healthy. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, so I don't think, um, you know, I think this can be a good thing for the bike industry yeah. once everything kind of settles down because we're going to have so many more people yeah. cycling. Yeah. Um, and running's you know, been the, the same it, way. I mean, it's been, yeah, running shoes just can't find sometimes because. Right. Yeah. So right. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to hear. I mean, it sounds like it was a, a rough couple months, but sounds like you're, you're finding a, a new normal, as everyone loves to say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're in the new normal. Um, so I'll be very happy one day when I can look back on all this and say, yeah. oh, look at 2020. What a weird year. (laughs) Weird is such a nice way of putting it. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I chose my words. (laughs) Well, that, that's at least, uh, you know, some positive, some positive stuff to hear. Um, and, and I can see John on video, but you know, our listeners can't, he's, he's wearing a mask right now because he's got his mechanic in. So, you know, over at Acme, they're being very safe and smart about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, each other and their customers. So, um, that's all really good to hear. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I know life has been crazy in general and I know last couple of weeks have been like triple crazy for you. So, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and, um, it's been a, a great chat. Uh, yeah. My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. Thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me and, uh, it was nice to, to chat with you. Great. Thanks. That's all for us today here on gear up. <laughs>